You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Timothy Gershik II. Tim, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you for having me, Bernard. Tim, let's talk about what you're working on now or, or how, how have you been? Let's just talk about, you know, um, maybe where you are at this moment. We're talking on April 27th and 2021, so we're at the hopefully end of the pandemic. How has it been for you where you are this past year? Well, uh, the pandemic has affected me to some extent. Um, for the first, first part of last year, I did not go into the studio for quite a while because uh, the studio being a third place, you know, um, not work, not home. I was a little concerned about, um, you know, just exposure and that sort of thing. Um, so I was doing some work at home, uh, which tended to be, because I don't have a permanent space here for work, um, tended to be work on paper or small things. Um, but after about six months or so, I started moving back into the studio, and uh, I have a tentative uh, exhibit in California this fall. Um, uh, so I started thinking about working larger, you know, more extensive pieces, that sort of thing. So um, that is to say my, my nine to five did not stop. I went, I kept going in sort of a quasi essential worker. Uh, I work as a preparator um, and I was asked to, uh, you know, a preparator, you said as a, as a preparator? You, you work with a preparator? Yeah, preparator, pre- yes. So, so for uh, installation work at a, a museum in Philadelphia. Hmm. Well, that's lucky they kept yeah. you on then, right? That's unusual. A lot of museum workers in New York and everywhere were let go. Yeah, I, it's a little bit uh, different. At, I'm at the Barnes Foundation in Philadelphia, and uh, it's a little bit different because I'm part of the conservation department. So I was tasked to uh, stay up on checking relative humidity and temperature. And so I, I wasn't doing so much, quote, preparator, unquote, work. I was doing conservation, you know, preventative conservation, that kind of thing, cleaning. And, and it, it started out a few days a week, um, and then it gradually got more and more. But, yeah, more or less I've been going into work every day. Uh, so along with that, I was doing some uh, art practice here at home and then kind of gradually moving back into the studio, gradually making my work a little bit larger in anticipation of some upcoming shows. So, yeah, it's... Uh, well, let's talk about what the, the anticipation of that. What, what kind of work are you making for those shows? What, is the, what does the work look like? You started off, what, I guess in the house working on paper during the pandemic, and now you're on canvas, or, or was it something else? Yeah, my, my work tends to be uh, mostly on panel, and so, um, and often found panels. <clears throat> so uh, that could be anything from aluminum panels that are left over from uh, construction work. It could be a piece of plywood, sort of Art de Povera, that I, you know, find in the trash. Um, and I, I, uh, I kind of gravitate towards that because of its um, accumulated history, you might say, uh, something to respond to. So I, I generally paint on panel, occasionally canvas if, if it's available to me and then paper as well. I, I do enjoy working on paper. Um, the paper back in the studio, be, you're working on all of those? You're working on panel and paper? I work, I work on all of those kind of simultaneously. The paper um, has a bit of a different um, landscape for me. Uh, it works a bit more like a, 
Well, maybe I like a, not really a sketch, but like a preparation or a, uh, a test for a larger painting. And they, they, they are finished works in their own right. Um, but the, the paintings tend to be kind of taking those ideas and blowing them up and changing them um, based on that, that work on paper. So let's talk about those ideas a little bit and how you're, as you said, anticipating yeah. another show or getting ready. Um, you know, a lot of the images are very geometric, but, you know, in, in sometimes a very organic way. How, right. how are these coming? How, well, what, does that, what does that mean to you as you develop these images? Are they coming from sketches, coming just from um, what you're inventing next, or are they influenced and have a certain kind of trajectory? Well, I, I kind of think of myself as sort of a, collector of, of shapes <clears throat> and color relationships, but m mostly shapes. And so when I say that, I'm, I'm noticing things constantly. And it seems a little funny to me to sort of lay that out uh, in speech because it's such a natural part of what I do. But I, I make connections uh, with shapes I see with, you know, in, in, in leaves, buildings, graffiti. Uh, and then I put them together and kind of run it through my my you know, lifelong made filter, if you will, and uh, come up with, lately it's been a lot of sort of uh, quasi-figural work, um, but definitely influenced by pop culture, cartoons, um, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I, I collect these things, I mash them together, I tear them apart, I, I play around with them, and that usually means, you know, practically sketching, a lot of sketching, and mm taking one idea and sort of working it out, redoing it, making multiple versions of it. Um, and then finally, when I get to something that I think kind of clicks, uh, that's when it kind of moves to paper. And then if it really works on, on work, uh, a painting on paper, um, then I'll kind of take the next jump into something larger. But occasionally, it just, just avoids the paper altogether and goes into a large painting. Which is on panel, you mean? Tends to be panel, yeah. I've done some stuff on, on linen, on stretched linen or canvas, but that, that tends to be um, when I want to go really large and the weight of a panel just kind of <laughs> is unfeasible. Right. Um, but, but I tend to like the, the solidity and the uh, mutability of the panel. You know, you can really get in there. You can work it. You can sand it off and redo it. So... And to talk about that kind of panel and that surface before you talked about it as having almost a kind of history, right? You find these panels, I imagine, you know, on the street or or, mm -hmm. or somewhere, and and they have a surface to them that, you know, in itself. Um, I'm wondering, does that does that also dictate imagery or how it's treated? Because you mentioned going from paper to to canvas or panel, but the panel, it sounds like, and I don't know how far you go into the history of it, but that it really does have a a kind of character of its own when you pick up the panels. It really does have a character, yeah. And and sometimes that character is not just in its surface, but also its shape. I mean, if you pick up some odd kind of plywood shape on the ground, sometimes the shape itself, you know, it's sort of a leftover, it's a cut off, a fall off of some project. And that can sort of dictate or connect to a pre-existing idea I have. Um, a lot of times, as you might imagine, you know, these panels are square or squarish or rectangular. And so it tends to be more the surface that I'm responding to. And in fact, when I, when I buy new panels, you know, occasionally 
if you're relying on trash, sometimes you have gaps where you can't find something that you want to work on. So occasionally I buy fresh panels um, and or, or find kind of cutoffs from a, a cabinetry shop or something. Uh, I will actually – I have accumulated the habit of adding uh, layers of paint underneath uh, my top layers. So doing patterns, doing kind of um, – uh, layers of color underneath my what will be my top layer so that I can stand through and make it look like it has sort of a more of an age than it might actually have, if that makes any sense. So you sort of get like a palimpsest. You, you're, you're, you're building up a lot of layers underneath so you see it on, yes. the, on, on the surface. Even if, let's say, it was monochromatic, you would see the, the, different, yeah. the different heights of, of, of paint underneath or the, or, the, or the movement of it. Correct, yeah. Yeah, so it, you, might, you might get sort of a much in the way that you would if you sanded down a gallery wall, you know, that's been used for decades. You, you, the further you go, you'd get, you know, green, white, purple, red, all that kind of stuff. And that, that kind of is a, quote, instant history in a way or instant surface, you know, that I really, really enjoy. And uh, you can kind of get some incidental color combinations that are unexpected that kind of sparks the imagination. So I have, been doing a lot of that and in fact you can see some of the the recent examples of that kind of process on my instagram feed and um and where will this work go is there a show that's coming up are are you preparing for something you said in anticipation but it sounded like it wasn't set yet it's not uh not a lot of information yet i'm still uh waiting on that um but hopefully more is forthcoming soon um possibly a show in LA in the fall, late fall. So I can certainly um, share more information about that once I get it. But like I said, not a lot at the moment, but uh, basically a new work show. So it's going to be, you know, the stuff that I've made in the past year, year and a half. And, and how has the, has the work changed in the past year? I mean, you know, we talked about just how you went through it, but is, you know, in terms of, paper to canvas and eventually getting in the studio. Uh, did, the, did this whole year change the, the content or approach to your work at all? You know, I've asked that of myself. And, uh, you know, in past, past times when, uh, you know, something large has happened in my life, I, I kind of look back and question that because it seems almost like it should <laughs> affect one's work overtly. Uh, but oddly, I think that my work kind of skims over the surface. It it sort of um, maintains its chill. Uh, I think a couple of things showed up in content based on all of the, uh, the, the anti-racism protests over the last year. Uh, uh, some of that work I'm not completely satisfied with, so it hasn't completely been finished. But that, that sort of dialogue and conversation entered some of the imagery. Uh, the pandemic itself... Um, I don't know. It almost felt like too real still to, uh, right. like I hadn't fully processed it. So yeah, I, I, that may, that may change in the next six months or so. Would that be one? Um, cause there's one on your Instagram called bad blood latex that, or, or, or that's what it's, I guess the medium is on, on paper. It looks almost figurative. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Is that, is that an image you're talking about that? Cause that's how it looks like it has a story. It almost looks like someone throwing up. Right, something. Does that have a story? Yeah. Or is that? Yeah, there's there's a, a bit of a, a revolutionary feel there. I think uh, my figures. I sort of 
I'm almost, I, you know, I'm even hesitant to call them figures. They're sort of like, uh, <laughs> they're sort of like Jungian um, ghosts in the background, you know, that kind of emerge through the weird connections of childhood and culture. And but anyway, um, yeah, I, I sort of. But think that of one looks like someone's throwing a Molotov cocktail, right? Is, is that exactly. Is that right? Yeah. So, so when the image emerged, I thought, well, he sort of looks like he's throwing a cherry bomb or a Molotov cocktail, right? Uh, but, you know, then look at the colors in his, uh, you know, the circles on his body are very kind of clown-like. Um, right. So I like that weird contrast of uh, sort of innocence and uh, culpability. You know, it seems like he's trying to start a riot, um, but also looks like a, a cute snowman. <laughs> um, but I think I think some of that did come out of uh, the protests and uh, just kind of I'm a very, I admit I'm a very peaceful person. Uh, it took a lot for me to go to protests just because, not because I didn't have the belief, but because um, I was raised to really not, not go against uh, authority. And so it's, it's been difficult for me to, to break some of that. So uh, by virtue of that, you know, you get some pent up frustration at, at the way things are going. And so some of that, I think, kind of filters out through my artwork. And this might be a case of that. Which is interesting because it's, it's, that's one of the, the, the rare, um, I mean, not one of the rare, you've done other figurative work, but largely your work isn't figurative or, or can't be decoded in that way, right? I mean, that, that does seem to stand out as a kind of, I'm not pushing it too much, like a pandemic painting, uh, you know, that kind of no. 2020 painting. No, I've painting. sort of been, I, I have been sort of, uh, the figure has been sort of, gradually, you know, I've been kind of pushing it back. The figure has sort of been gradually finding its way into my work over the past uh, four or five years. Um, it started out as, and I have never really been that big into painting figures, I'll be honest. It was never something that really interested me until it became sort of this, uh, uh, you know, like I said, sort of a Jungian character rather than even a figure like this, uh, this, an archetype of some kind, uh, kind of... Uh... Archetype is the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's sort of something that, you know, it's not even mine, really. It's something I've tapped into. Um, but, you know, my, my uh, lens of pop culture and, and how I have lived the world has, has influenced how my archetype looks, if that makes any sense. But, it does, but what yeah. is your archetype? Is it a specific archetype that you're saying? Do, do you know what I'm it is? Still I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> Me too. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you yeah. know, five, four or five years ago, I started uh, by coming up with this sort of uh, shape code or shape alphabet uh, of things that almost look like very, very stylized, um, almost like logos, pieces of body. And so I would, I would assemble them into grids or, like, comet combine them to sort of, like, make the bare suggestion of a figure. That's how I started out doing it. And then I started having a lot of fun um, coming up with a, a more extensive language of shapes. And so similar in the way to Miro did, where he, like, he repeated the same shapes over and over, but recombine them in you know, like an interesting, surprising Creating kind of his own vocabulary, his own iconography. A vocabulary of shapes, yeah, exa exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, I, in fact, that kind of reaches back to my, my interest and in short period of sign painting where, you know, you use stencils, you use compasses. So I have a collection of stencils that I've made 
custom made over the years that I keep returning to and reassembled as a sort of drawing aids, if you will. Um, mm. So that, that's why if you really look down at my, a lot of my work over the last decade or so, you'll start seeing <laughs> the same shapes but used differently or like different versions created of them. So like a, uh, a, curving, a, a curving shape, a, a teardrop sort of shape, uh, a pierced circle is another one, um, mm. and sort of a, a phallic shape. Uh, yeah, all kinds of things. And those are based, you're saying, in part on, on sign makers' tools or, or the approach of a sign maker to, to, to masking and, and, yeah. and the types of tools you do? Yeah, so early on after, after I got out of school, I, was really, I really responded to, and my, my family is a uh, family of farmers, railroad workers, carpenters, so it was very craft person uh, oriented, and so that's sort of what I came out of. And, you know, painting, I, I never really intended to become a painter. I, I studied printmaking in school, and so um, painting sort of found me, and uh, it was easy. I had, you know, I could get materials easily. So I'm losing track of where I'm going with this. <laughs> but the... Uh, but, well, well, yeah, the tools that you're using, I was saying the tools that you were using were sign painting. You were giving me background on sign painting and, and I think oh, yeah. how you yeah, came so to it. I, I, I like to think of it as sort of um, a workmanship style. So, you know, someone who gets up in the morning, prepares, has their tools, lays them out, does the process looks at the watch, you know, says, oh, the day's over, puts it away, closes the drawer, closes the door, you know, and goes on to, uh, you know, his dinner. But I, I like that sort of uh, rhythm and routine. Uh, that appeals to me. I was never much of, um, you know, uh, midnight oil kind of person. So uh, I kind of embrace that craftsmanship sort of technique. I like that. And then yeah, the stencils, yeah, really be... go, stencils really go with that. And, and the fact that I use household paints and that sort of thing. Oh, everything is household paint. Uh, most of it is, yeah. I occasionally, I, I, I keep the things interesting and throw some oil in there occasionally. But <laughs> but does that mean it's not archival? Will it, will it come apart? Or what's the story with household paints? No, that's a good question. And uh, ironically, working for a conservation department, um, I, I once, once mentioned it to my boss, who's a conservator, a paintings conservator, and she said, ah, you know, let us worry about that. Because <laughs> uh, that's, but that's yeah, what happened I, with Rothko's paintings, right? There, there, there isn't as much binder in them. Or yeah, something. yeah, no, you're right. So I, I do think that house paints have improved in quality since Rothko was using them. And, uh, I, you know, I, yeah, it's a good point. I, I think about this. <laughs> However, I, uh, I do make sure when I sell a work to remind them to not put it in direct sunlight. Uh, I've had some things in sunlight for quite a long time, and I've seen very little change. And in a way, I, I do sort of embrace a little bit of change. I don't mind that as long as it's, um, you know, copacetic to the piece. <laughs> but that's a good question, and that's something I, I deal with. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of beginning and ending with that conservator to house paint, but it makes sense also that house paint would be much better now. You know, I never thought of that, but obviously if you've been watching it, uh, I, I imagine that's true. But I don't know, but yeah. what Rothko was using was of a much inferior quality. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about, I should actually ask my, uh, my, my boss about that, but um, if she knows anything about Rothko's paint. 
I do can I can say though that um, having worked with latex now for twenty almost twenty some years, uh, they are not created equal. <laughs> so there's high quality and there's poor quality, and uh, workability and like not workable at all. So I've I have for what it's worth I have gotten to know my my latex paint. Maybe we should do a part two of this interview just about that, because that seems like a whole world, right, <laughs> of just using paint that way and, and also the, the conservator issues on that. Uh, Tim, I want to yeah, ask you one yeah. more question. Um, what, are you, what are you reading at the moment? I'm always curious what everybody's reading. Uh, well, I have, uh, I've been – one of my pet projects for the pandemic <laughs> was to start playing around with writing uh, fiction. And so I uh, – I'm admittedly more of a nonfiction person, so uh, I recently picked up, I'm going to butcher her name, but she's an Argentinian writer um, named Poya, uh, Zaracacha, something like that. Uh, her latest novel is called Mona, <clears throat> and it's quite good. Uh, it has a little bit of a, just a twinge of fic- uh, um, sur- surreality in it. Uh, like uh, magical realism, I think we sometimes call it. Um, that's been an excellent novel. I, basically, I'm trying to make myself read more fiction. <laughs> I'm and that novel is called Mona. It. Mona, yeah. And like I said, I, I'm not going to repeat her name. I, I think I butchered it, but um, her first name is P-O-L-A, Poya. And well, uh, recent, yeah, recently also I've been reading um, a classic in Zen Buddhism, um, Zen, Zen Beginner, Zen Mind, I think, something like that, by Suzuki. Um, mm-hmm. New to me. I know most, a lot of people have read, read it, but um, really excellent stuff to kind of to chew on. And uh, let's see. Yeah. Tim, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.